The comic book legend lives, the Swamp Thing. Once a man, now a monster. Once a creator, now a creature. Once her hero, still her hero. The Swamp Thing. It lives, it loves, and no thing does it better. Rated PG. Now showing at a theater near you. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 5 of Craven Craven, the podcast devoted to all things Wes Craven. I am one of your hosts, Patrick Bromley, joined as always by my Craven Craven counterpart, Heather Wixen. Hey, Heather. Hello. I want you to try to say Craven Craven counterpart five times fast. Craven Craven counterpart, Craven Craven counterpart, Craven Craven counterpart, Craven Craven counterpart, Craven Craven counterpart. Excellent. I get job. it. Those diction lessons really is, paid off. I was going to say, is that just to make sure that I'm not like drunk as we go into this episode? I always assume that you're drunk and I work from there. Nice. Nice. Maybe I would have been having a better year if I would have just been drinking through all of this. <laughs> I think all of us would have. I'm not a yeah. big drinker, so maybe this is 2020 is telling me I need to start. I think so. Maybe maybe we start doing these episodes drunk. <laughs> uh, this month for Craven Craven, we are talking about Swamp Thing, Wes Craven's 1982 adaptation of the DC Comics character. This is kind of a weird one in Wes Craven's filmography, no? It really is. It doesn't feel like it fits. Um like at all like I'm okay with that because I want you know I want I want people to go out there and try different things and things like that um but it does it does feel very odd comparatively when you look at the other things that he was doing at the time and things he was about to go do well it's just a weird movie in general like it's a weird movie in its current form but it's also weird that it got made because this wasn't a time when comic book movies were particularly hot superhero movies were not particularly hot we had superman and that's kind of it so i'm assuming this movie only gets made because superman was a hit um but it just doesn't seem like the next obvious choice for dc comics to adapt to the big screen and it feels a little bit like wes craven auditioning for a bigger movie it does it's weird because like when i think of like sort of those mainstay dc characters you know i mean i grew up watching batman the, the tv series with adam west because i'm old um so that was my introduction into dc actually i should take that back it was batman and wonder woman were like the two sure um i was those, those, those were my two big ones um and i guess a little well no incredible hulk's marvel um Sorry, I don't, want to, I don't want to upset the fandoms out there and get and get the get the uh, companies wrong. Um, but so, like for me, like if if Superman's a success, like Batman would have seemed like the next logical choice. Yeah. You know, I know if you know seven years later we get our first Batman movie. Um, so this there, there's a lot that feels very odd about this movie, but yet there's sort of like this sort of uh, I don't want to say undercooked charm but there is a charm to it like it feels really ambitious for what it does here um it feels like it's really attempting to build a world to build this mythology to this character but then ultimately it doesn't really go anywhere until i guess return of swamp thing um it's it is it's a very like when you look at like the things that we've talked about in craven's career and things we're going to be talking about in the next few months 
it's it's a very singular movie, I think, in, in relation. Yeah, no, I totally agree. It's um, no Swamp Thing movie is going to be like conventional because it's just not a conventional character. It's not a conventional mythos, as you point out. It's just so odd. And, and, and the fact that then they didn't really give Wes Craven the money to realize a Swamp Thing movie, I don't think. Um, and maybe certain effects just weren't there in 1982 to realize what needed to be done for a Swamp Thing movie. We'll get into some of the other iterations of Swamp Thing later in the podcast. Uh, let me read the plot synopsis from IMDb. Dr. Alec Holland, hidden away in the depths of a murky swamp, is trying to create a new species, a combination of animal and plant capable of adapting and thriving in the harshest conditions. Unfortunately, he becomes subject of his own creation and is transformed Arcane, desperate for the formula, attempts to capture Swamp Thing. An explosive chase ensues that ultimately ends with a confrontation between Holland and a changed Arcane. I mean, there you go. <laughs> That's um, the movie. First of, all, first of all, when you have a villain and his last name is Arcane, yes. I'm already in. Like, <laughs> come on. Like that's just that's that's perfect right there. That's that's all you really need is you just need to make sure your villain has a really cool name, and like that's half the battle. But he's played by Louis Jordan, and he plays him more like a Bond villain than a. Oh yeah, he was definitely in a totally different movie, I think, than everybody else yeah. last year. Um, which I kind of think adds to sort of the idiosyncrasies of the movie, in a way. Um, but yeah, I like that he's always like. Surrounded by young, beautiful women, he's very including Wes you know, Craven's wife. Feeling, I didn't even realize that was her until I looked up yeah. uh, stuff to prepare. Because sometimes I do prepare for these things, which I appreciate. Oh well, thank you. I mean, you know, <laughs> thank God for Wikipedia, kids. There are times <laughs> when, and we said this about Deadly Blessing last month, that Deadly Blessing felt kind of like a TV movie. And I think there are times when Swamp Thing feels like a TV movie as well. And I think some of that is budgetary and some of that is just Wes Craven still figuring out his chops as a director. Obviously this is a bigger movie than he had ever done. It has special effects. It has stunts. It has pyrotechnics. And a lot of those things are the reasons that he took the movie. And it's possible that we don't get something like a Nightmare on Elm Street without Swamp Thing as sort of a stepping stone to him figuring out how to do some of these special effects and stuff. So for that reason, obviously, thank goodness for Swamp Thing. But when we get to the final fight between, and I know I'm jumping way <laughs> ahead and we can back way up, but when we get to the final fight between Arcane and Swamp Thing, it really does feel like an episode of The Incredible Hulk, which you had just name-checked a couple minutes ago, um, from the costume of the Arcane monster to the fight choreography, everything about it feels like a made-for-TV movie. It does. It, it very much. If you would have told me that this played on TV, which is funny because there's a lot. There were, you know, Swamp Thing was sort of. I, I didn't realize how long that the. I think it's USA. Yeah. Their Swamp Thing series lasted. It was like seventy-two um, episodes or something like that. Yeah, like I was kind of impressed by that because it doesn't seem like a traditional type of serialized show that would find any sort of success i mean lord knows they couldn't even pull it off on the dc uh platform um have you watched uh, that show i haven't i know they brought it to the cw but then they edited it down and i just i don't want to watch a watered down version like if they're going to give me 
you know, a super horror horror esque version of Swamp Thing, like I want to watch it pure. So I've been kind of waiting to see if they're going to do like a Blu-ray DVD release for it, but I don't think they have yet. There is a Blu-ray. It it uh, and it often will hover around ten bucks, and I'm just so back and forth on pulling the trigger because I'm like, do I mm. commit to just this one season of a TV show, knowing that we're not going to get any more? But I really want to see it, and I really like Derek Mears, and I really like the suit design, uh, and I have heard good things that it really leans into like some of the body horror stuff. So I'm I'm super curious about it, but I have yet to pull the trigger on it. Okay. I don't know how I missed that there was a Blu-ray, considering I do that like every freaking week, and <laughs> right. somehow I missed it. So It's oh, actually I been know. out for a while. It, it came out after its run on DC Universe and prior to its run on the CW. Um, and I've kind of been waiting because we finally just subscribed to HBO Max just in time to see the entire Warner Brothers slate next year. But obviously we subscribed to it for Wonder Woman. Uh and there's talk that it may show up on HBO Max because I guess a lot of the other DC Universe shows already have like Doom Patrol and Harley Quinn and some of the other shows. Uh, but so far, no Swamp Thing. All right, yeah, I we're, we're we are also going to be uh, subscribing to that soon as well for yeah. Wonder Woman. Yeah, I'm easy that way. So, but we we've, we're we're paring down our sub, like our subscriptions. Like I'm losing a few to go over to hbo max so there's too many i'm like it there's so many <laughs> like i don't understand it i don't and like and I, there's like people i watch like i see on like social media and stuff and i was like oh i'm watching this and this and i'm like how do you even keep up like there's things like on netflix that i didn't even know got released yeah like i honestly had no idea and i don't know how i didn't get an email about it about the uh the kyoto brothers christmas special yes i saw that it existed i have not watched it I it's it's funny because I actually went and in, interviewed them like a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago. So I got to see the stuff from the special and they weren't even sure like what was going to happen with it. They weren't even sure if Netflix was going to like say like, yeah, we're going to take this or if they had done it all for naught. Um, so I'm glad that it wasn't for nothing, like that they actually got something out of it. But I was like, whoa, like I had no idea. So it's I don't know how people can actually keep up with everything. But yes, I'm hoping something goes over HBO Max. So, although I realized um, when I was looking up stuff uh, that this was one of the very few like DC Comics movies that like didn't come out under Warner Brothers. Right. Yeah, this was an MGM title. So that's interesting to me. I guess you know, but you know, those uh, rights and whatnots all uh, right. kind of flip around here and there. At least they did back then. It's fascinating though that like Swamp Thing has had two movies. And two TV series, um, and other comic characters can't get one. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's it's interesting. Um, but it's it, what's what's kind of crazy to me is, you know, this is a movie made in the early '80s, and monster suits inherently are tough to pull off as it is. But you know, when you're doing movies like this, like you have to do monster suits that can withstand water. Right. Um, so I know that like the, the, the suit is kind of hokey. <laughs> I think Arcane's is even worse. Oh boy. Um, oh yeah. It's rough. Um, I still applaud them for, for making the effort. Um, because 
they tried. They they gave it the good old college try. Sure, it's um, it's problematic when you can see the the like wrinkles in it. Yeah, the folds in it as he moves uh, when it's yeah, supposed to be. Yeah, especially when they do close up on his hands too. Yeah. So, but I do. I will say I did like sort of the. I mean, again, they were gooey and very rough, but I like the uh, the transformation that we get. Um, with Arcane where he's sitting there and all of a sudden his hands start transforming. Yeah. Um, those actually like looked pretty cool. Like until they went to close up. Right. Um, but it was like just seeing like the fingers like kind of bending in one way that is very unnatural. I was like, boy, I wish that movie would, the movie would have leaned into that a little bit more. So, yeah. I mean, you could see again, there's those moments where, you can see Wes Craven, the horror director, coming through, and it's certainly Arcane's transformation. It's Bruno's transformation. Um, it's the way that he, you know, I, I like the idea of the hero being a monster. You know, it's what I've always liked about the Toxic Avenger. That was one of their things that they, that yeah. that that Lloyd Kaufman like thought of when he was coming up with that character was what if the hero was this hideous monster. Um, and Swamp Thing had kind of beat them to it. And and it makes sense that you get a horror director to then to tell that story because his affection is going to be with the monsters, you know, um, which isn't, I don't think, always true of Wes Craven's movies. I think he, when he makes A Nightmare on Elm Street, his affection, his sympathies are not with Freddy Krueger the way that filmmakers yeah. later would be. You know, he treats Freddy Krueger as... A horrible boogeyman uh but with swamp thing you could tell that his heart lies with swamp thing yeah and i think ultimately i think that all boils down like all kind of ties back to creature from the black lagoon obviously yeah um because you know it's that's a movie where you know you you pity the monster where you feel bad for the monster um and even though the origin of swamp thing is very different than the creature from the black lagoon um there, there's something to be said for being able to sort of find humanity and monstrosities. Right. So I, you know, and you know, I think that's why, like, I always like will gravitate towards like, you know, Guillermo del Toro's work because that's, that's always been sort of something I think that he's really done a great job of throughout his career. Um, but yeah, I mean, I definitely, when I was watching this, uh, I really got a, a hankering to throw on creature from the black lagoon, like right after, I was like, oh, I was like, maybe I should watch some Creature. I And it's funny, I in my head, I always want to say Creature from the Blue Lagoon because I always get <laughs> Blue Lagoon stuck in my That's head. a horrible thing to call well, Christopher Atkins. I know, but that hair, man, it's, it's hard. <laughs> he has the same hair uh, as Adrian Barbeau in this movie. He really does. I, everybody had that hair, I think, in the early <laughs> 80s. Like, I, I literally, like, I, I have pictures of my mom who has the same exact hair. So, and I think if I could have curled my hair at like a tender age of young of three or whatever, I think I probably would look like that too. <laughs> was there a Blue Lagoon so, remake, or are you thinking of Return to the Blue Lagoon? No, wasn't that the Mila Jovovich movie? That's Return to the Blue Lagoon with Brian Krause and yeah. Mia, 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 Mia Jovovich. Oh, so that's like a. I, I always just kind of consider it sort of like a remake. Well, it's. I've never seen it. I think it's like. Um. Evil Dead Two or uh, what's another? Yeah, one that, I mean, I guess, you know where I it guess, just it, you know basically what? it's just remaking the first movie, but they're calling it a sequel. You know? Yeah, no, it is a sequel because uh, I think the she's the daughter of. Oh. Uh, 
the daughter say she's like of the daughter of the the Blue Lagoon fucking. Yeah, I think so. Or Interesting. Something, or they both are. I've never seen either I'm Blue Lagoon to... movie, so I'm I'm speaking from I a place saw... of ignorance. Yeah, I actually saw the '91 one. Um, I remember I went and saw that with my cousin Melissa. So a few, it was a few weeks after Point Break. It was quite a summer. Um, <laughs> it was my endless summer. I'll tell you what. That was when I totally fell fell in love with Mila Jovovich, and I was like, I will watch this 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 gal in anything. Um, so now their names their names years. in the original film are their last names are Lestrange, but oh. in return their last names are Hargrave. Oh wait, Brian Krause, his last name is Lestrange. There you go. So he is the spawn. I haven't seen it since theaters. So. Okay. Gotcha. Okay, now it all makes sense. I only know Brian all Krause right. from Sleepwalkers. I never watched Charmed, and I never saw Return to the Blue Lagoon. Well, see, now you've been missing out. You need to be Krauseified. <laughs> Not really. I don't even really remember him much from Charmed. No. No. I don't even really remember much of Charmed. Okay. So somebody can write me hate mail about that. But I watched it and I couldn't tell you hardly anything about it. You watched it. like all of it? I, I watched like I know I watched like the first four seasons, I wanna say. Okay. Did you bail after Doherty left? No. No, because I was still watching when um Tatum, uh Rose McGowan. Rose McGowan, came in. yeah. So Okay, so it ran until 2006. I definitely was watching until the year after I got married. So that would have been 2002. So I know. So I probably gave up around 2003. Okay. So I, I, I got through like five seasons with it. Wow. But I could literally couldn't tell you anything, honest to God. Uh, so they were sisters and they were the, witches. Yes. I also watched the entire run of Dawson's Creek and I couldn't tell you much about that except that Pacey sleeps with his teacher. Oh, who and Dawson this? is insufferable. But he loved Spielberg. But he did. He wanted to be a he filmmaker, sure and he loved Spielberg, <sighs> and he had a giant head. James Vanderbeek has a has a large head. He does, but he also was in a Kesha video, so I can't fault him. Oh, I don't fault him for anything. I've liked him in plenty of stuff, and he seems to have leaned into certain things about his career. I was happy to see him show up in bad hair as like a douche. Uh, but uh, oh, yeah. I only saw a handful of episodes of Dawson's Creek. That's okay. You, I, I think you're fine there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, actually, that's a show that I think was a really great launching pad for talent. But boy, was it a terrible show. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, so, everybody who was on it has gone on to bigger things. So you're right about that. They have. Yeah. I know. I know I am. Yeah. I know I am. Yeah. Listen, I was never questioning whether or not you were right. Yes, I knew. So I was about to say something. Uh, he used to do that. I almost said Rizzoli and Isles, but that's wrong. <laughs> yeah. He did that show with Breckin Meyer that was always on like TNT and TBS or something. Uh, are you confusing him with Mark Paul Gossler? Because you're thinking of Franklin and Bash, which I saw every I episode am. of. <laughs> did you really? There was only like two seasons, <laughs> and I am a big enough Mark oh. Paul Gossler fan that I watched every episode of Franklin and Bash. I totally got them. I totally got them. Peter please. Peter, I'm sorry. Please. Now you should be crucified. I I really should be. Oh, man. Is this where I can where I'd say that I didn't really care that much about Saved by the Bell? 
I mean, it's fine to admit that, but I, it's not a safe place to say such a thing. <laughs> I know, I know. There's no safe place to say that. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I guess I, I'm not, I wasn't into like smart alecky kids who like got away with crap. Mm-hmm. Um, Didn't you just like, say Pacey had sex I, with his teacher? Yeah, I'm not condoning that. Okay, but it sounds like he got away with crap. Uh, I don't think he really gets away with it, though. Oh, no. I mean, you know, I mean, not that like, you think it was like a thing, but, you know, there was some emotional ramifications from that. Well, of course. Uh, I definitely did like Pacey more. Uh, I will say, like, when I watched Saved by the Bell, I think I liked Mario Lopez more. Because at least Slater had, like, Adrian Barbeau hair? Uh, yes, he did. Yes, he did. Um, and now he's playing the Colonel in Lifetime KFC movies. Can we... So good for Mario Lopez. Can we... Stop freaking out about what is clearly an advertisement for chicken. Like, I'm okay with it. Give me all the chicken. Are you kidding? No, I like chicken. I, don't, I, don't I just need, thought it was so I weird. I don't need a movie to tell me to eat KFC. Like, no, I, I, I don't either. <laughs> I just thought it was weird to see uh, the little bit that I was on Twitter to see people really embracing an advertisement for chicken just because, you know, KFC was smart and came up with this ironic idea. I don't know. I just thought it was weird. Like, oh, it's totally weird. But it's like it's so 2020 at this point that it's like, okay, sure. People watched it. I did not watch it. Oh, it was so. already on. Shoot, I missed it. It was on this. I weekend, was not going to so watch maybe it. Maybe they'll re- replay it soon. It was on at like 1 p.m., <laughs> wasn't it? <laughs> like a real prime time. Yeah, like slot. you guys could like cuddle up on the couch with a bucket of chicken <laughs> with the kids. I like that idea. Just have a- just have an idea. I, Can yeah, I watch I something like else with a bucket of chicken? chicken? I could watch anything else with a bucket of chicken. <laughs> I'd be fine with Fried that. Fried chicken is, is an under uh, undervalued uh, couch snack, I think. Just well, sit there with your bucket of chicken. That used to be our tradition. We wouldn't watch football, but we would watch the Super Bowl, and we would always get KFC. Uh, nice. And that was what I looked forward to. I could care less about the Super Bowl. I could care less about the commercials during the Super Bowl, but I was really excited about the chicken. Well, I get it. I totally get it. As somebody who used to order pizza every year for the Super Bowl, and now I can't really do that because I live in a place with mostly terrible pizza. I get it. That is criminal. I get, I, it is. I literally get jealous when we're watching something and characters order pizza Mm. to the point where then like, and you guys have good pizza. We do. And I will get jealous and have to order pizza. Like within a few days, we're rewatching all of friends and they're constantly ordering pizza. And every time I'm like, oh, I'm so jealous. They're eating pizza and we're not. So then like a day or two later, we have to order pizza. And then meanwhile, I'm jealous because then Erica posts your pizza pictures. She does. And I'm, <laughs> and I'm like, God damn it. I can't even have good Chicago pizza anymore. No. Like I couldn't even get it this August. It has been over a year since I've had good Chicago pizza in Chicago. Like that is a crime. I'm terribly sorry. It is a crime. Like, it's not worth dying over, so I don't want to go and get it, but I'm really close. I'm really close. That really good place that we used to go to uh, when you would come into town is closed, so... That makes me sad. It makes me sad, too. Although we went to... Not that we need to care talk about this on the show, but we went to that one place where we waited a really long time, but it was really good. And it was like, people were having like big birthdays there. Um, which place is this? I don't, oh, uh, Moretti's? I think that was it, yeah. Yeah, I think we waited a really long time at Moretti's. But yeah, Moretti's is good. 
Yeah, so if you're if you're from Chicago and you're hearing this, Moretti's was good and I liked it, so go eat it. Except they've Shout insisted on Moretti's. staying they've insisted on staying open for indoor dining during the pandemic, so I don't think I'll oh, be no, eating it. Oh no, never mind. I won't be eating don't. at Moretti's anymore. Yeah, never mind. Don't eat there. Sorry, I didn't realize. Yeah. I didn't have all the info before I made that. That's okay. Grand gesture. We didn't have oh. the info when we ate there years ago. Oh, we boy. didn't know who Moretti's uh, would turn out to be. How dare them? Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, back to Swamp. So Swamp Thing from Pizza. Yes. We were talking about natural, how it looked. Na- how it lo- <laughs> we were talking about how it looked like a a TV movie or a TV show. That's when yes, we. That's it, when we. That's when we went off the rails. Yeah, and uh, it, it's interesting. I it, um, one of the things I kind of had forgotten, um, so it was kind of nice to have this to remind me, is actually back in 2013 uh, at Comic Con, I actually had a chance to sit down and interview Len Wine. Okay. Uh, about this, he is one of the creators of Swamp Thing. Yeah. He actually passed away like a year or two ago, I want to say, which was kind of sad. Um, but he was super, coo- super duper cool. Um, he actually worked on X Men for a while and uh, worked on Watchmen as well. Wow! Um, but he w- it was funny because like a lot of times when writers are working on stuff, especially people who work on like the source material, like <clears throat> they're kind of removed, you know, from these productions. Especially since West did the script for the movie specifically. Yeah. Um, so they don't really get a whole lot of say especially in the early 80s in terms of like the stories that are being told and that you know and that kind of stuff they're kind of cut out of production but they actually uh invited him down um with i'm totally blanking on the other job oh um bernie wrightson okay um to go down there and be a part of production which i remember him saying was a super cool thing because it never had happened before yeah so, and he was really grateful to have that opportunity because, you know, it was not something that he had ever been asked to do before. And he said how, how he enjoyed being able to like go run around the swamps and stuff <laughs> like that. And it was very sticky and humid, lots of mosquitoes and things like that. Um, and he actually, Wes was actually really open to notes from them as they were doing scenes if they thought they needed to play things differently with the characters um, which again, you know, he didn't have to do that. Right. So that's kind of cool. Um, but yeah, it was like one of those things where I was like, oh my gosh, I kind of remember doing an interview with Len for this. And then I was like, oh, I did all those years ago. So yeah, back in 2013. Wow. Well, that's very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Wes Craven did not grow up reading comic books because he wasn't allowed in the same way that he wasn't allowed to watch movies, specifically horror movies. Um, and my understanding is Swamp Thing was not that old a character at the time they made the movie. Wasn't it only around for about 10 years at the time they made the movie? Yeah. Yeah. And that was the thing that he said uh, had surprised him about them wanting to actually make the movie um, because there had been characters that had been had existed for so much longer. Right. That to him, it just seemed like, well, why wouldn't you go with something that's a little more established? Um, but I think if I remember correctly, he did mention like how... What they liked about it was the fact that, one, it sort of touched on in the environmental issues as they were starting to kind of come into, like, social consciousness okay. in the 80s. Um, so he that was really interesting that they would kind of focus on that because there wasn't a whole lot of awareness, at least from a Hollywood production standpoint. 
Um, so I think that they were looking to do something different. And I think also, too, I think MGM got the property for a steal. Okay. Yeah. That sounds... I, don't think, I don't think they made, I, I think, you know, from what I remember, he he didn't make a whole lot off of that. So, but most of those guys, unfortunately, really never did. Right. You know, right. at least back then. Right. And I think even now these days, like, there's still issues with that kind of stuff. So, so with... yeah, it's... Uh, it, I'm sorry, go ahead. With issues with, like, paying people what they're worth, are you talking about? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like comic creators and, and character creators and things right. like that, so. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so, you know, which is a shame. Um, but. When I finished watching Swamp Thing, I then immediately went into watching The Return of Swamp Thing from 1989, which I watched way more as a kid. As did I. Because of Heather Locklear. Uh, probably for the same reason. Uh, <laughs> well, the same reason, but not the same reason. I just think it was on cable a lot more. I don't remember the original playing on cable a whole lot, even though it was PG, but I remember the return of Swamp Thing being on all the time. Yeah, it's funny, because like, I, I didn't see the original Swamp Thing, I think, until I was like in high school. So it wasn't like anything I grew up in. And actually, I think for a long time, I, I think in my head, I think I had him and Toxic Avenger kind of like confused in my brain a little bit. Which makes sense. Um, yeah, you know, um, it happens all the time. <laughs> um, but Return of Swamp Thing was something that I, I was very, very familiar with because I, somebody had taped it off of cable. So we, we watched it quite a bit. And, you know, we were big TJ Hooker fans. Okay. And I, in my house, so yes, so I was all about Heather Locklear. Still am. Um, and she's got a great name. She does. Locklear. Yes. Yes, of course. That's exactly <laughs> what I meant. But I do like the fact that Dick uh, Durock gets to come back and play Swamp Thing again, but he also plays Alec uh, in some in some scenes there too whereas in this one it's it's just very wise whenever it's it's uh, Alec Holland. Well, so I didn't realize until I was researching a little bit that Craven's original intent was to have Ray Wise play Swamp Thing, put him under the makeup and shot him for a lot of the close-ups and then realized it wasn't working because he and Dick Durock just looked too different. So they just ended up leaving they stopped shooting it two ways and this is according to the internet um he was shooting the scenes basically two times, once with Ray Wise and once with Dick Durock, and realized it wasn't working because they looked far too different. So he stopped putting Ray Wise in the makeup and just started shooting everything with Dick Durock. Sorry, I was on mute. Dog freaked out. No, that's okay. Um, yeah. Which is interesting because, like, Ray Wise, like, he's one of those actors, like, everything, like, so much of his character <clears throat> and characterizations always comes through in his eyes. So for me, there is this little bit of a disconnect right. when you're looking at Dick Durock in the makeup because you're not seeing Ray's eyes, which are so piercing and so captivating. Um, I say this as somebody who got to spend a little time with him, and I was just like, I will listen to anything you have to say. I'm hypnotized <laughs> right now. Even as an old man, Ray-wise, I'm just like, yes, anything you need. I mean, that's why he was a good devil. Right. Um, he was. Shout out to Reaper. Yeah, I watched that um, whole show. I love that show. That's yeah. why I like Tyler Labine. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's interesting to me because it, it was sort of the standard practice back then where like you'd have your main actor, but then you'd have your monster actor. Like right. you know, obviously right. we talked about Incredible Hulk and you've got, you know, 
the two different, you got Bruce Banner and you've got Hulk, um, which makes sense because how do you make, you know, Bruce Banner, I'm totally blanking <laughs> on that actor's name. I Bill don't even Bixby. know why. Bill Bixby. God bless him. Um, but like, how do you make, turn him into like, you know, a six foot seven giant? Right. You just can't. You, I don't care how well you shoot. You just, with that kind of technology back then, you just, you just couldn't. Um, so I get it. Like I get it, but I do miss sort of that soulfulness that you get out of Ray's eyes because I think, you know, one of the things like the, the romance between, um, Alec and, uh, Alice is, is a little paper thin in this. Like they know each other for like less than a day and they're already like, yeah, we are meant to be together. And I mean, I, you know, it's fine. It's a movie. <laughs> um, but like when they look at each other, I understand like her looking in a Ray Wise's eyes and being like, oh yeah, this is it. But like you're looking into Dick Duroc's eyes and you're like, all right, I guess. <laughs> so, you know, um, I, I, I would have liked to have seen the, those versions a little bit more. Um, with the Ray Wise stuff. Also, yeah. I think they didn't they cut out uh, Adrian Barbeau's boobies in that movie too. Not if you're me and you own the original DVD pressing, uh, ah. because there was a European cut that had more toplessness. Because you do get a little bit of toplessness a little bit. A little in side the boob. in the PG uh, version that came out in theaters. But there was a European cut that featured more toplessness. Um, and when MGM first released the movie on DVD, they accidentally pressed the European cut with, you know, advertised as the PG American version. And if you bought it early enough, that's the one that you got. And then they recalled those and released the correct American PG cut. But I still have my PG MGM DVD featuring lots of Adrian Barbo toplessness. Nice. I'm sure. I'm. I'm sure that's the version you watched for this. It is not. I watched the oh, Scream okay. Factory the Blu-ray, Blu-ray. <laughs> but uh, but I do still I usually usually when I will upgrade a title to Blu-ray, I will then sell off the DVD. But I have held on to that DVD. Or sometimes you just sell the DVD altogether. <laughs> sometimes which we got, which we discussed about Salem's Lot once. Only to then discover, like, oh shit, I now don't own Salem's Lot, and it's hard to come by for a couple of years until they put out the Blu-ray. Like, how do you sell a Toby Hooper movie? That is the part that I still I really think wrap it my was an accident. Like, I didn't mean to sell it. Like it wasn't like you were starting a re- selling a return to Salem's Lot. You sold Salem's Lot. <laughs> I did. I really think I, it was by accident. I I just can't even believe that. I couldn't either when I went to watch it one day and realized it wasn't on my shelf, which is why I think mm. it was an accident. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very frustrating. Boy, oh boy. Yeah. Yeah. But at least now the, the Blu-ray exists. Exactly. So, you know. I'm good. So now. it's all good. I've been taken yes. care of. But yes. Uh, there was a, a little bit more toplessness originally, and they cut it out and got a PG rating. Um, and it's a bummer, not not that they cut the toplessness, it's a bummer that Adrian Barbeau, who is a great actor, and you know who we genre fans love to sh- see show up in anything, um, is kind of sidelined in this movie. And coming off of Deadly Blessing, which we characterized as being a pretty feminist movie, for Wes Craven, uh, this is not. This is a movie that casts, you know, basically one female actor and then just has her play the damsel in distress. 
But isn't that sort of, um, and again, I don't want to, I don't want to generalize anything, but isn't that sort of par for the course when it came to like certain comic storylines where yeah, like, probably. it was always about like these two dudes fighting and the woman happens to be there and has to get sort of rescued. I mean, she's a little proactive at times. Like she, you know, she's the one who like saves the book and like, right. you know, right. tries to do stuff. Yeah. But... She does get to do some stuff. Absolutely. It's probably not fair to say that she's just completely sidelined. Uh, it was only but at the she, end. She is minimalized, though, a bit. Right. I mean, literally tied up and in need really of starts... rescuing. Yeah. And I mean, especially once Arcane comes into play, like it just the movie sort of feels like it shifts its focus a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, which is I mean, I get it. But, you know, if your movie's called Swamp Thing, like, you know, make sure Swamp Thing is cool. Yeah, but I guess it wasn't called Alice. It wasn't. What if they called it Alice and Swamp Thing? Then I would, you know, then better I would movie. Be a more upset. Better mm. movie. Alice. Trying to come up with a good Alice doesn't live here anymore pun with Swamp Thing, but mm. I can't come up with anything. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I I'm did, all uh, out of puns this year. <laughs> it's it's been a rough 2020. Let's. Cut ourselves some slack. Um, I, I I watched Return of Swamp Thing immediately after this, and noticed a couple of things. One, it's probably it's way more fun. I don't know if it's way more fun. I I prefer the Wes Craven film, um, but it's a one of probably the top three Jim Wynorski movies. Okay, I would, that's a bar. Uh, well, it'd be, it would be that and Chopping Mall, and then I'll leave a third space open <laughs> for, like, whatever the free, third free best space. movie. Exactly. Like, we can rotate out the other best Jim Wynorski movie. Um, two, the makeup on Swamp Thing, on Dick Duroc's Swamp Thing, is considerably better. Yeah, but you also, I mean, that's you're talking like seven years difference. Exactly. And, you know, and the thing is, it's like when you've got, you know, you're working at the beginning of the 80s where things, you know, certain things are still coming into play in terms of like silicone and stuff like that, um, that really weren't as widely used as they were towards the end of the 80s. Like, yeah, it's, I'm trying to think of like, there's another instance. I mean, well, I guess one, Freddie always evolves. Yes. Um, and I think you can kind of see. Not always for the better. I don't know what you mean by that. <laughs> Unless you're talking about six. Uh, I can't even remember what he looks like in six. He's got a, like these like crazy like demon ears and it's the ears are connected. Yeah. Like I, 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 I was a big fan of John Carl Beekler, but I don't think that was the best Freddy okay. we've seen. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know, so, but I'm also a fan of the redesign of New Nightmare, and everybody hates that, so, you know, what are you uh, going to do? I don't hate that at all. Yeah, everybody, I, it, a lot of people say, like, it's too slick, and so, you know, I get it. I'm trying to remember who did Return of Swamp Things effects. There were so multiple at... companies credited, like. Which was usually the case when it came to, like, big shows like that. Yeah. Yeah, you can look it up. But he, he just he looks better. It's busier. It's a busier design. He looks better. But as you pointed out early in the episode, he also doesn't really spend much, if any, time in the water. Yeah, because again, you know, sort of having to do uh, 
suits and water is just the biggest pain in the ass I'm because sure. they just they they're sponges they hold it right um and that's still something that's very difficult to get right these days i think you know obviously something like shape of water helped um i know when they did sweethearts that was one of the considerations they had to make uh in that movie as well because they have a creature in the water um it makes total sense by the way now because it was carl frollerton's company okay that did swamp thing um and he uh is a legend so that makes sense uh, but I know he's actually Denzel Washington's personal makeup assist, uh, makeup artist. Okay. So, you know, you, you don't get to be Denzel Washington's personal makeup artist without having a few uh, good things, you know, going on in your resume. Without having worked did, on at least fun. one Swamp Thing movie. Exactly. Also, I think it's it, it's funny because Carl Fullerton was uh, one of the big special effects people behind <clears throat> Friday the 13th Part 2. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's be really honest, there is... So much Friday the Thirteenth and Friday Thirteenth Part Two score in this movie, like yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know who Manfredini thought he was kidding. Is all I'm <laughs> That's say. the great thing about Harry Manfredini. He's kind of shameless. Shameless. <laughs> he yeah. Just doesn't give a shit. Yeah. So, but yeah, Carl actually used to work with Dick Smith on the East Coast a lot. So he was. Uh, he's he's one of the uh, top guys. Top okay. Men. And he did he did Swamp Thing or Return of Swamp Thing. He did this, he did Swamp Thing in the Return of Swamp Thing. Got it. Okay. Yes, and then it was uh, Todd Masters' company did the rest of it. Okay. So, um, which reminds me, I wrote this in a note, and I don't have my stupid notebook in front of me. So why do I take notes? <laughs> um, one of the things that was sort of fun about this, um, in terms of the arcane stuff, is I like that it sort of goes like in this weird sort of Doctor Moreau feeling where he's like, "I'm going to make this guy into a crazy animal." Yeah. And then you have this tiny little animal creature human hybrid running around with a turtleneck um which i had totally forgotten about even though i watched this movie like seven years ago but when it happens i was like wait what i was like oh yeah i forgot and i just i kind of love that effect and i can't I see i can't it. see nicholas worth who's the actor who plays bruno who's transformed into the little guy uh without thinking of dark man right there was something else when i saw him and I got really excited because I was like, oh, God, it's a uh... – and I'm, I'm so mad at myself because, again, I looked all this stuff up on freaking – on Sunday. So it's only Monday, and I should remember these things, <laughs> but I don't. And I – oh, um, oh my God, what was it? And I got really excited because I was like, oh, nobody really talks about this movie. Um, oh, my God. I can't believe I'm screwing up this bad. Um Oh, jeez. It was before Darkman. Oh, Action Jackson. Oh, sure, yes. And then I was like, also, I'm like, why don't we talk about Action Jackson more? That movie rules. I, we need, do we just do an Action Jackson podcast from here on out? I mean, I'd be fine with that. I would do a podcast just devoted to the films of Craig R. Baxley, because he has three all-timers. He did Action Jackson, he did Stone Cold, and he did I Come in Peace. That's a run. He's a legend. That That is a run. Yeah. And he was also involved with Predator, too, if I'm not mistaken, right? Probably. He was a, a stunt coordinator before he started making movies, so he may very yeah, well wasn't have been it, the stunt coordinator yeah, on Predator. Say, yeah, wasn't it like Dukes of Hazard or something like that that he got like really famous off of? Uh, very possibly. Okay. 
I was trying to remember correctly, but I think it, I think it was Dukes of Hazard that like launched that guy's career. Yeah, I read about him years ago. And actually, I talked to, when I interviewed Carl Weathers a few years ago. God, I'm dropping names everywhere. I'm sorry, <laughs> um, but he actually talked a lot about Craig because we actually talked about Action Jackson just for funsies. It wasn't part of the interview because we were doing Predator. Um, so, but yeah, that's cool. But yeah, I totally thought about Action Jackson when I was watching it. I was like, oh my god, I should totally go watch Action Jackson. So yeah, yes. that movie rules. Got Nicholas Worth. Nicholas yeah, Worth. Yeah, it does. I know. Yeah, I know he passed away uh, a while ago too. Yeah, so. he did. Yeah, it's you know what's gonna really suck is like the longer we get into like talking about movies and things like this that we all grew up with, like the more that we're gonna have to be like, oh, yeah, this person's no longer here. Yeah. And I don't know that I'm ready for that. So yeah, um, so. the, the third thing that I realized watching Return of Swamp Thing in comparison to Swamp Thing is, for me, is, is sort of the key to what I like about Swamp Thing. And that is Return of Swamp Thing is camp. Swamp Thing is yes. pulp. Swamp Thing is sincere. Yeah, Swamp Thing, like, plays it straight. Swamp Thing kind of means it. And Jim Wynorski is kind of goofing on the whole thing, which is fine. It's an entertaining movie. I'm not bashing Return of Swamp Thing. But it's much more the Batman TV series, right? And yeah. uh, Wes well, Craven is I, not when doing When I said that. it was more, quote-unquote, fun for me, that's kind of what I meant. Was like sure. It just it was a little lighter. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Heather Locklear is making jokes left and right. Um, it, it completely ignores the fact. Well, it doesn't ignore it. It makes mention of the fact that Louis Jordan... Uh, transformed into a monster at the end of the last film and was killed. <laughs> it kind of <laughs> makes mention of that. It talks about, oh, he was nearly dead when we found him and we were able to bring him back and um, doesn't turn him back into a monster, which is a problem because that's kind of the most interesting thing that happens to him in either of the Swamp Thing movies, I think. <laughs> I, I don't necessarily love him as a villain until he becomes a big hairy pig monster. And then he, uh, it's a, it's a bad makeup, but I'm just excited to watch two monsters fight in a swamp, fight each other. Yeah. Yeah. That's all I need. Um, I just need monsters going at it. That's, that's, that's all I'm really waiting for when it comes to stuff like that. Um, as I mentioned to you earlier, I watched, uh, a certain upcoming monster movie and honestly, like I just wanted to see monsters fight and that's what it gave me. And I was cool with it, which also makes me excited for, King Kong versus Godzilla coming soon to HBO Max. Exactly. Um <laughs> yeah, I, we also haven't really mentioned uh the fact that David Hess pops up in this. That's like right. That's the that's shocker, the big Craven connection, right? Yes. Although it's kind of like his sort of least threatening villain I've ever seen. Well, because he's playing it so cartoonishly. Yeah. He he looks like he's having fun in the movie. I'll give him that much. Yeah, for sure. But uh, it's 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 such a it's it's an it's an odd character to me, um, because when you have a character named Ferret, which immediately makes me <laughs> giggle. So, you know, like if you, if you name your if you name a character Ferret in a movie, I'm going to laugh. Um, what if his name like, was Ferret in Last House on the Left? See, then that takes so much of the weight off of that uh, off of the character. Right. You think? I mean, if it, everything about it was the same, except instead of Krug, everybody was like calling him ferret maybe eh, ferret would I, become I, the most feared word in the english language like you know 
just name him honey badger or something. I don't know. <laughs> like it's just, it's such a, it's, it's, it's interesting to me because it's, you know, he's, he's clearly having fun. Yeah. Um, to me, he actually looks like he's having the most fun out of everybody in the movie. Um, like he's just, every time he gets to go in there and just be a jerk, like he just feels like he's relishing it. Yeah. Um, he just has like that great sort of smarmy charm to him when he like pops in there. Um, but it also like, because everybody is so serious in this movie, it's so different than everybody else's performances. So it just feels like, and sometimes it's a different, it's a character from a different movie. Yeah. He's no, it absolutely does. He has one interpretation of comic book movie and he says, Oh, I'm going to play it like this. And I also, like I he's also, a Batman 66 villain. Right. Exactly. And then Louis Jordan is doing James Bond. Um, Ray Wise is doing Bill Bixby. You know, it's like everybody's kind of coming at it from a different angle. And I don't think Wes Craven ever really gets a handle on all of these different interpretations and all these different performances. I I still like the movie. It's just a movie with a lot of um, rough spots. Inconsistencies. Inconsistencies. Yes. It's a, it's a flawed movie, but a very charming one. Yes. And, you know, and again, for me, I guess it's nice, like, when you sit there and you think about a director, like, the last thing you want to do is you want to have, like, a director who's pigeonholed into sort of making the same movies, like, over and over again. Like, if they're great at it, it's great. But you want to see them kind of step outside that box every once in a while. And I know this was early in his career, so there wasn't a box established yet. But now, when we can go back and look at this, like, almost 40 years later, Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, uh, um, it's just kind of nice to, like see something different because we're going to be seeing a lot, not the same, but we're going to be seeing a lot of, you know, very horror. It becomes almost, almost exclusively horror in about two episodes. Yeah. So, which is great. I'm excited. We like horror to work this out. Oh yeah. I mean, of course (laughs) I I almost kind of wish this had worked out where we had we had Nightmare on Elm Street for December because then you have the red and green of Freddy's sweater. Ah, very and that nice. feels very festive. Um, so it's kind of a bummer. Like we'll be getting into that like after we're after the holidays, but you know. Swamp what Thing, listen. Swamp Thing is a Christmas movie. Uh, Just put some lights on him and he looks like a tree, right? He, throws <laughs> he arms like does. Groot. He does. Is Groot a Christmas character? Um, I mean, I bought my niece. A Groot with Christmas lights on it once for the so, Funko. So the connection is there. I was going to say something is. about Adrian Barbeau's shirt, but that's really she's really dressed as Magnum P.I. Yes. Uh, yes, she has a Magnum P.I. And then she has, for some reason, they put her in an evening gown for no apparent reason. It's not no apparent reason. She, but I'm like, she wasn't like covered. Like she just, they, they capture her and they're like, we're going to put you in an evening gown now. That's like, the move. That's, that's why the... <laughs> it wasn't like her clothes were ruined. I mean, I get it, but, uh, yeah, no, know. I feel like there's a weird long tradition of the villain, like put this on. Yeah. I, I, I can't, I literally can't think of I, one example, but you. I feel like I know I've seen this before. I right, Like, I feel like that's something we've all grown up with. Right. <laughs> right. But yet I can't think of an exact instance no. of when it really happened. No, I can't so either. Maybe it's a Mandela effect. Like, we just made it up. Did Swamp Thing start the tradition? Is uh, Swamp Thing did. the most influential movie of the 80s, I guess, is the question I, that I'm asking. I think 
I, I think the answer is yes. Okay. I think it is. <laughs> I think I think we've come to the conclusion that yes, it might it just very well might be. This is great news. Yeah. Now we don't even have to talk about A Nightmare on Elm Street because we've talked about Swamp Thing. There's nothing <laughs> left to say. Not about 80s. We'll just skip right to like uh, uh, people under the stairs and stuff. Right. Like, we'll just go right in, you know, let's go right into the 90s. Well, when people would talk about something like Music of the Heart, it was always like, oh, here's Wes Craven's one attempt to not do horror. Sort of ignoring the fact that while there are horror elements in Swamp Thing in that it's about monsters and there's a little bit of body horror in it, it's not a horror movie. No, not at all. Like, this is like something, you know, side boobs aside, like you could totally show your kids and nobody's going to come away traumatized. Right. Except for, you know, uh, when Bruno transforms into little Bruno, which is a disturbing sequence. Yeah, but I feel like if kids have seen like maybe like the witches, they're well, fine. it's it's the it's the donkey sequence in Pinocchio, you know. Yes, that's true. Which I did see at a very very young age, and it was very traumatizing. It's traumatizing. Joe Dante always that talks about how it's is, like the yeah. the most traumatizing transformation scene ever. Oh my god! And when they go in the whale too, like I, you know, everybody jokes about like because that's like a funny meme or joke or whatever. Like people talk about like how they thought like sand was going to be like quicksand was going to be a big problem when you were an adult. <laughs> I actually thought whales swallowing people was going to be a thing. Sure. And I think it was because of Pinocchio. Well, the good like, news is you just you light a fire and you build a raft and you can get get out of there. Yeah, you know, you obviously aren't going to make it into a stomach, you know. No. So, but yeah, I, I always thought whales swallowing people was going to be a bigger issue. <laughs> Turns out, not so much. Not so much. You need a quicksand. Go figure. Every, everything about our childhood is a lie. It, we were lied to. So, you know, happy holidays, everybody. Everything is a lie. <laughs> um, did you ever watch the USA show? I, you know what? I did. I swear it used to be on before Raw or after Raw. Okay. Um, I'm trying to remember if it was on before or after. Um, I feel like I watched episodes here or there, not like specifically or like out of any sort of planning, but I did, I would come across it here or there. Um, I think it was because I gave up in wrestling like in 92. So I want to say that I think I watched a little bit here and there for like the first couple of seasons. But yeah, I didn't realize that that thing was on for, uh, like three seasons. Yeah, it was on for a which while. Which is kind of crazy. Yeah. And I also had no uh, recollection of there being a animated show. That was off my radar. I didn't know there was an animated show. Yeah, like totally. It was kind of like learning that they made like a Tales from the Crypt Keeper for kids. Right, that I, I knew like, about. what? Sure, okay. Yeah. I mean, I didn't know about that until like a few years ago. But right. yeah, I was just like, ah, uh, sure, okay. <laughs> like, what what weren't they making animated shows of? I barely remember the Bill and Ted one. And yeah, I watched it. So, Do you yeah. remember the live action Bill and Ted one? I only ever saw the first episode of it, and I was done. Yeah. Yeah. It was terrible. I just realized, I was like, no, I don't think I'm in. <sighs> Question, so. does Bill and Ted face the music make your top ten for the year? Uh, yes. Okay. Not specifically for horror, but in general, yes. No, yeah, I figured, like, your other your other top ten. Yes, so, hope, hope, I'm hoping Santa brings it for me. Oh, very year. nice, yeah. So we'll see. Yeah. 
So I was repeatedly told not to buy it digitally, so I didn't. Got it. So Santa better not better not screw that up. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Come on, Santa. Brian's listening to this right now, and he's like, God damn it, i got to order something else now. <laughs> So, but yeah, I uh, I really really wanted to, um, I really wanted to watch the the new Swamp Thing show because again, as we talked about, Derek Mears is awesome. Yeah. Um, you know, probably one of the best in makeup performers we have out there. Um, you know, right alongside like Doug Jones, um, and oh my gosh, I'm totally blanking on the other gentleman's name. Oh shoot. Right? Son of a... <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, too. Like, I know exactly I, what you're talking my... about. Uh, Bo... Bo... Hope. <sighs> oh, God That's... damn it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Well, that's upsetting. Wow. Yeah. So I can't <laughs> I believe I'm, I'm totally blanking on this right now. I'm going to pretend that I'm, I'm doing this... Uh... uh I'm just, you know, I'm just on the twin. I'm just, you know, just doing the things on the things. You know, uh, it's no big deal. Yes. I uh, weirdly fell in love with um, Derek Mears' Jason on my last. I, I went through all the Friday the 13th again in preparation for a show that we did at the end of October at F This Movie uh, where we re-ranked all the Fridays. And I still don't love that remake. But I gained a whole new appreciation for his. But he's great. Jason, yeah, he's so good. Javier Botet. Thank you. I see. I had the bow or the hoe. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> your bow is a hoe. My bow is a hoe. Um, yes, Javier Botet. Thank you. I was in the vicinity, but not close. I know. I was like, I can see him. I can see <laughs> characters. Because I watched this movie called Two Pigeons, where he's not even in makeup, and oh. I was like, oh. Yeah, he's like he's like a squatter who lives in this guy's apartment without him knowing for, like, months. Okay. Is it good? Should I see Yeah. It? It's interesting. All right, um, so I think no. it's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I mean, no, no, I, it's a really interesting sort of character study. Like, Javier Bortet plays a character who, like, this real estate guy kind of is, like, this slick-talking guy and basically get like, screws him out of, like, his home. So Javier Botet, like without the guy knowing, moves into his apartment, into like this like little crawl space, and basically lives there without the guy knowing. And then when the guy goes to work and stuff during the day, he comes out, takes a shower, eats, does that kind of stuff, and then goes back into hiding. And then, but he's also like screwing with the guy like throughout, like he's dropping his toothbrush in the toilet all the time, um, after he pees in the toilet. Stuff like that. So, yeah. It's interesting. All right. Yeah. So, I think it's called something else now, but it was called Two Pigeons before. Okay. So. But anyway, working in a suit is not an easy feat. Yeah. uh, For anybody. Um, So, anybody who can do it uh, and really sort of pull it off, like, you know, I feel like uh, they they, they earn a little extra uh, respect from me. So, yeah. yeah. I, one of these days I'm going to check out the, the Derek Mears Swamp Thing. Because I like the Swamp Thing character. I've liked both movies to varying degrees. I like what I've seen of the USA show, which is weirdly like still in syndication uh, at like 4 a.m. on Sunday mornings on like MeTV or something like that. You can still catch old episodes of Swamp Thing. 
Oh, that's fun. I had no idea. Yeah, it's it's. I also still didn't out there. realize that Dick Duroc played Swamp Thing in the series either. He sure did. He made a career out of it. Wow. Yeah. Look at him. Good yeah. for him. Right. South Bend's best. <laughs> uh, is there anything else we want to say about Swamp Thing? Um, I mean, other than apparently it's the most influential movie out of the '80s. I think that pretty much sums it up, right? Uh, I guess it really does. I guess so. So right. we could talk about pizza more if you want. <laughs> I'm always down to talk about pizza. <laughs> uh, well, that means up next we have Invitation to Hell, Wes Craven's 1984 made-for-TV movie, one of two movies he made in 1984. I forget the name of the other one. It was some I'm sure we'll figure it away. out. When... Yeah, I'm sure we'll figure it out. We'll, we'll do some research and see if we can figure it out. All right. So, yeah, I am excited for Invitation to Hell, though, because I love Susan Lucci, so. As does my wife, uh, who is, of course, named well, after smart. her All My Children character. <laughs> um, Which just boggles my mind. Like, I mean, I don't get me wrong. I have a dog named after Ken Reeves' character. I get it. But, like, to name your kid after Erica Kane, who is, like, she's, like, this manipulative bitch. Mm -hmm. And your wife is so nice. I know. Or is that she a does facade? Not. She does not live up to the namesake. Uh, her brother's name is Adam. He was also named after Adam Chandler on that show. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, at least I guess they didn't name him Chandler because then True. everybody would just assume he's named after his friend's character, which probably wouldn't work out time-wise. Right. No, it doesn't. Exactly. Yeah. People are dumb. So, But I'm excited for Invitation to Hell. I've never seen it. It's one of the few Wes Craven movies that I've never seen. Uh, the other being the one that we just talked about before we started recording, which is Wes Craven's Chiller. Uh, and I've actually never seen Music of the Heart, so there is one way down the road that I have not seen. I had to take my mom to see Music of the Heart, so I have seen Music of the Heart. Yeah. So, but I haven't seen it since it came out in theaters. So that'll be that'll be an interesting one. Um, but yeah, I am excited for Invitation to Hell, um, which if anybody's listening, I believe it is streaming on Prime. So it was. I hope it, it still time, is. Yeah. I think it is. I looked in the like last week or two, and it was still there. So I think it's still still good. It so, is still there. Okay. Good. 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 Um, but yeah. So if you want to watch ahead and play along, kids, you can do it. Yes, because we're <laughs> probably getting the spoilers. So. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, anyway, that's going to do it for this episode of Craven Craven. On behalf of my co-host, thank you guys very much for listening. Remember, you can follow us on Twitter at Craven Craven Pod. And if you don't already own your Directed by Abe Snake t-shirt, uh, it makes a great holiday gift. It sure does for all the <laughs> the '70s porn fans in your life, <laughs> of which I assume there are many. Of course. <laughs> anyway thank you guys very much for listening we will talk to you next month with invitation to hell <laughs> <laughs>